Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Mr. Health Coach Ev. You can find me at www.evantransu.com. We're back tonight with something interesting, and we actually have two of these episodes in a row for you, something kind of special scheduled. We've never had recurring guests on this show, and since we've been on for a little over, actually, actually, it's a full year and a half at this point almost, I think a year and five months of doing this podcast, we've had some really cool people do some really cool things. You know, we have a lot of activists, we have advocates, we have people that are in the mental health space really out there trying to make change. And that will be the situation tonight and with the next podcast next week. So we wanted to be able to come on here and shout out these people, talk about what they're working on, because they both have very special projects that just got released. And of course, I want to talk about the rest of the work that they've been doing. Our guest tonight is Dana Altman, and she was actually episode number 14 on the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. And ironically, she's back for 41. So one, four and four, one. I like that. And she has been working on a ton of stuff. She just came out with a second book called Mix Melt Men, Owning My Story and Finding My Freedom. Dana, thanks so much for being here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. And I love that it's uh, 14 and 41. That's like really like that, like gave me a chill. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that was totally unintentional, too. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, now, guys, as you know, I mean, we go pretty in-depth on this podcast. We have stories that I think our longest episode was literally two hours and change. Um, when it's appropriate, when I'm feeling it, and that vibe's just kind of going, we we keep it longer. And typically, the episodes are 55 minutes plus. I believe Dana's was over an hour. So you can feel free to go back to that episode 14. Maybe you pause this, maybe you listen to this, and then go back, whatever you want to do. But, of course, we got to kind of highlight the story here just so you guys have a little background of what's going on. So Dana, why don't you take just a few minutes here to give us a little summary. You know, what were you like as a kid? How did that transition in maybe the middle high school, college years? Because I feel like that is such a key theme for so many of the people we have on. There's a lot of things going on during that time frame. Mm -hmm. And then let's talk about where you're at now. Um, and then I'll start diving into the specifics of that. Okay, awesome. So I'm Dana. Um, I am Boston based. I am in my late 20s. I like oh, sh shudder when I say that, like late 20s. I just had a birthday. So, um, but no, that's really special and, and really cool that I, I am I'm in my late 20s now. Um, I am, yeah, a mental health activist, advocate, entrepreneur, and author. Um, growing up, I was definitely an anxious child, um, but without really having the words to put to that anxiety, definitely a lot of OCD tendencies. Um, again, like can speak about them really clearly now, but at the time it was just kind of me um, freaking out about spelling tests and repeating words and constantly asking for reassurance. Um, I grew up in a really um, affluent town. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this on the podcast that we did in episode 14, just how that was so, that was such a huge influential factor in um, my life in general, but also in my mental health journey. You know, growing up um, in an area where everyone's so high achieving and there's so many resources and so much, um, so many things, it was really hard to ask for help. Um, I think just it, for 
for lack of a better term, like just not knowing um, that what I was dealing with was abnormal and also some guilt around like, why do I feel this way? Like I have so much. Um, so that really translated, that's kind of how I live my life from early elementary school through high school, actually um, dealing with depression and as well as um, anxiety, but never really having the words. Things really kind of took off for me in college when I had my first official panic attack and started um, seeking treatment for the first time. So seeing a therapist and a um, psychiatrist at college um, at my first college. Um, and that really, it got worse before it got better, for sure. Um, had gone through many bouts of treatment um, in recovery for an eating disorder. And that was kind of like what my treatment looked like in the beginning, really focused on um, just dealing with uh, restriction and, and really poor body image. Um, and then it kind of transferred into uh, just dealing with suicidal ideation and depression um, and not functioning to a point of needing another hospitalization and a semester off from school. But I'm grateful that since taking that semester off um, almost like nine years ago now, I guess more eight at this point, but anyway, um, eight years ago, um, I have, you know, been able to be in the world, which is really exciting and, and something that I is a daily practice, something that I need to manage and go to therapy and work on every day. But I've really come, I think, to a different place in my mental health journey and my recovery. Um, a lot of that I can attribute to therapy, thanks to Dina, my therapist, who I'm sure I brought up last time because she is just so important to me, but also because of my mental health advocacy and what I've done for other people, um, in addition to myself. So um, graduated from college, um, which was a huge deal, especially starting school and taking a medical leave and, and not really knowing what was going to happen. Um, actually went back to get my master's degree and graduated um, from my master's program um, two years ago now. And um, throughout it all, just really working to kind of lighten the load for those who are um, first experiencing their own mental health symptoms or trying to access care or being confused, just as confused as I was, um, which is really, really important to me and in, in helping not only people who are have been diagnosed with a mental illness or um, have a mental health challenge, but really those people who are just experiencing um, the spectrum of care from the beginning, I think is really important to me. I'm realizing more and more. So that advocacy has looked like several different organizations, several different projects, lots of entrepreneurial ventures, a documentary. Um, but what we're here to talk about tonight is obviously, as Evan said, my second book. Um, my first book was Bake It Till You Make It, Breaking Bread, Building Resilience, which is a mental health cookbook and a compilation of over 40 stories and recipes. Um, the stories range from um, people sharing about their own mental health journeys to um, overcoming physical ailments and obstacles, uh, stories of hope and messages. And Mixed Melt Mend is, is me kind of stepping out of the shadows of that and, and just my story, my memoir. Um, so yeah, I know we, that was supposed to be quick. That was probably longer than I thought I wanted it to be, but I have a lot to say. What can I, what can I say? Well, we both do. And yeah. <laughs> as we talked about yesterday, but no, that was actually perfect. That's exactly oh, right. what I wanted because I feel like that's a good refresher for maybe people that heard it last time. Because I know we yeah. have, uh, there's a good handful of people that are very loyal to the podcast. Shout out to you guys. We love you. And they make sure to listen to every episode. So I think it's a good refresher for them. And if someone's here 
tonight or today, whenever you're listening, and yeah. hadn't heard the story before, I think it's very useful for them. So that makes sense to me. It's all good. I'd actually like to, just for a second, um, yeah. talk about the Bake It Till You Make It, kind of the overall brand and the that book itself. What started that? Because if I'm not mistaken, uh, maybe outside of the documentary, I, I, you have a lot going on, so I don't know the order of all these things. The Bake <laughs> It Till You Make It thing seems to be one of the first larger projects, though. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I have been, and I wrote about this in my memoir, since I was um, 10 years old, I have been creating things. Like, at 10, I had a traveling musical theater company. I organized it with my friend's parents. I ran rehearsals, and we performed at senior centers. Um, so yeah, so I guess, but yes, I guess I'm trying to say like, this is, this has been over 20 years in the making. Um, but yes, I think that Bake It Till You Make It was definitely like that. That's like when I really started to take myself more seriously. Um, so yeah, you're totally right in saying that. Um, yeah. Do you want me to talk a little bit about the book? Sorry, I feel like that was the second part of your question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Because I'm I'm curious. It's, it's very cool. You have a mental health cookbook. Like I'm wondering what inspires that? What does that mean exactly? Totally. Great question. Because I think just like hearing that can be super confusing because there are so many ways you can take it. So the first thing I always tell people is that I am really not a baker or a cook. I've had to become a much better baker since putting this out into the world, but really I'm a mental health storyteller, which I know I share that with you as long as many um, of your, as well as all the other people that you've had on this podcast, which is really amazing. Um, and I think something that that really struck me was just the kind of the comfort level that people have around food that like, it's just so normal to talk over a meal or when you're in the kitchen or sharing a recipe can be something that uh, people do across generations or friend groups. So I think that the idea was essentially inspired by a really tough summer. Um, so the summer of 2017, I uh, just got into a really serious car accident and I didn't have a car. Um, I was really, and I was with my parents in the suburbs, um, was really struggling looking for things to do. I also like was in grad school, so I didn't have a job over that summer and turned to baking, um, which was like a, a new thing for me, for sure. Um, I have great memories baking with my mom and my sister kind of, um, like around holidays, but nothing, ever really significant. I know a lot of people have found so much healing in cooking and baking and and that really isn't the start of my story. However, I definitely feel like I've I've kind of come around to that. Um but yeah, in the process of of baking that summer, I just realized um what it was like to tell people about the food that I was making and how I could kind of throw in like, yeah, and I'm also having a really tough summer. Like I'm actually kind of feeling really depressed. Like I think I'm falling into like a slight depression actually. And realizing that creating something that's more, uh, creating a conversation that's more palatable is possible for people. I mean, I think we have done such amazing work in destigmatizing mental illness. And obviously there's always, um, there's always room for, for change and more work to be done. But I definitely, um, I definitely think, yeah, I definitely think there is still work to be done. And I like to see my part of it as um, using food as a way to really um, kind of take down a barrier of discomfort for people to really engage in conversations that are meaningful about mental health, but also about just human resilience and, and storytelling just in general. So the book isn't necessarily like recipes that will make you feel good. Um, 
mentally or like it's not they're not a lot of them aren't particularly healthy um but healthy is a very um subjective term and and mm -hmm. someone in eating disorder recovery like i hate that i just said that but um i guess like and not like what you would typically think of as healthy but um you know healthy for the the soul and the mind um is different than maybe something that um we might deem as healthy in, in mainstream culture um so anyway, it's those recipes paired with stories of people overcoming challenges. Um, as I said, whether it's mental health related or just a challenge that makes them human and how they got to the other side. Awesome. And that's so cool because I appreciate the clarity with or the clarification with that. Because you're right, there is a lot of ways that a mental health cookbook could go mm -hmm. in my mind. It's something that the more I dive into this, I just hear food coming up more and more and more. And I never realized because it wasn't it's a part of my story, but it's certainly not a major part that uh -huh. when I'm talking to other people and I'm interviewing or I'm just having conversations around this, I realize food is, I mean, one of the most common elements of whether for better or for worse, a, me a mental yeah. health kind of disorder there, and it can look a lot of different ways. So, um, that's really cool that you did that. And I wanted to make sure we put some time into that just so people understand, all right, we started there. And then you come out because one book is never enough, right? You got to go with the second book. Um, I totally understand that once you realize you can do it, it's kind of sparked my mind into being like, all right, well, what else can we do here, right? So um, maybe that's a little hint at something out there, fine people that are listening, but who knows, who knows? Um, for your second book here, The Mixed Melt Mend, what is the biggest, like, what inspires this? Why do we need a second book? Because I know, again, you have a lot to say, but... How is this different from that first one? Because I feel like it is very different. Yeah, such a great question. So um, so after I published um, Bake It Till You Make It, my life changed. I really do feel that way. Um, I feel like I not only felt more confident in um, my own story, but I also was able to see the way that I was I was connecting with people in a different way. So I started this presentation called Bake It So You Make It Live, where I would go to college campuses or community centers or even high schools, and I would tell my story while putting on a cooking demonstration, um, which looked different in different settings. I actually, I had the opportunity to um, go back to Northeastern University, which actually my alma mater for both my undergrad and my master's degree program. So that was really special, but they have this beautiful kitchen called the Exhibition Kitchen, where like um, chefs from the Food Network come and do cooking demonstrations. So I was certainly, the least trained chef ever to do a cooking demonstration there, but I kind of like, I own it. I think that's kind of cool. So it went ranged from like, you know, a full kitchen to um, using like a table in my high school's um, library and like trying to kind of make it work. Um, and I felt like by, so Bake It Till You Make It Live looked like, as I said, telling my story, but what I did was I created metaphors um, using different um, ingredients, but also the, um, instructions to my story. So I would say like, you know, I'm going to crack three eggs. And these were the ways that I felt my life was cracking at the time. And it just felt like a step, another step forward from bake it till you make it to be able to make, to connect those metaphors. So all that's going on, flash forward to early March, of course, pre COVID-19 um, quarantine. And I'm at my day job, um, like freaking out in my office thinking, oh my gosh, like we're going to have to go. Cause we were discussing like what it would be like to go virtual as I know everyone has this 
pandemic has touched everyone's lives in different ways. But um, I think when the conversation around virtual, a virtual world was coming up, I was really, really nervous um, because I know that there have been some weekends when I haven't had plans and we weren't in like quarantine or like th there weren't restrictions. We're just being with my mind and being by myself felt so hard and painful. So I really wanted to use the time to like get to know my mind, I guess, um, and like really tap into kind of, I like to say like my superpower um, in telling stories and in telling my own story um, and finding my voice. So I made, it started as just like a way to survive quarantine, honestly. I decided that I was gonna take Bake It Till You Make It Live and put it in, put it on paper. So tell my story in the framework of a recipe. Um, and that was gonna kind of be like what I worked on um, during quarantine. But really quickly, it became so much more than that. It became such a healing process, um, writing about things that I've never really talked about before, um, thinking about thing, thinking about past events in new ways, analyzing relationships, thinking about traumas differently, and coming up with something that I was just so proud of. Um, so it is told in the framework of a recipe, and I decided to do that you know, because of Bake It Till You Make It Live, but also because I'm really proud of the brand that I've created through Bake It Till You Make It in general. Um, and I wanted to keep that consistent, but also because I feel like putting putting this story in the framework of a recipe, again, just takes off like a little bit of the edge of discomfort um, for, for people, I, I really do believe. So that was really important to me. Um, usually when I did Bake It Till You Make It Live, I did like an easy recipe, but for Mix Melt Mend, um, I chose Cake Pops because that was actually the first recipe I embarked on um, during that summer of 2017 was like making Cake Pops. So I decided it was super meaningful, but it's also a long recipe. So it gave me like, it's like 20 sections. Um, so each each um, instruction tells like a different, is a, the heading of my story, um, like another part of my story. I don't know if that makes sense. It, it visually, it does in my head. Um, so that is Mixed Melt Mend. Um, but there's so much more to Mixed Melt Mend than just Mixed Melt Mend. Um, there's a workbook. There are um, different programs that I'm rolling out. Um, so yeah, but I'll stop there in case you have any qu clarifying questions. You know, I could just talk all day. Well, yeah, and it's so awesome <laughs> because the one thing that is most memorable about you is your energy. I mean, you come in and you're like, bam, like Dana's here. <laughs> And it is, I interviewed you in January of, actually, I released it after the interview. So it was yeah. either early January or late December that we actually did the interview. And here we are in September. And the energy, I think, has actually gotten higher. I, I don't know that it's changed at all uh, for the oh. worst. That's definitely for sure. It's definitely, I think, <laughs> even gotten higher, which I'm very impressed with. I didn't know that was possible. So it's cool, though, because it is so obvious to me that you are living your passion and following your path. And I loved what you said about, you know, we have everything going on in this pandemic and then you choose a creative outlet almost as like a coping mechanism, it sounds. Mm -hmm. And for me, I did the exact same thing. And I don't think, I think that's a great thing. I went from like this first, you know, month was like, all right, cool. Like I just worked my butt off. I was putting in about 70 to 90 hour weeks for probably 12 weeks prior to the pandemic starting with publishing the book, working a few things. Um, yeah. So I was like, all right, much needed rest. The whole world's on pause. This is great. And then two, three weeks goes by and I'm just, I'm feeling not so great. Like you were describing. Yeah. And I'm just like, all right, Evan, how do we get out of anything? You've done this a million times. What do we need to do? Well, I work on mindset stuff and I make sure I have something for progress and a goal type of thing. Cause I love the 
phrase, I, I've said this a million times on the podcast, but you know, the final stage of healing is using what happened to us to help others. And that is where I find my soul's just totally electrocuted is using these creative outlets and pursuits to help others. And I am just so inspired when I'm doing that. So it is very clear that you have that same thing and I love it. Um, my qu next question is, who is the type of person that should read Mixed Melt Men? Like when, obviously, and you probably know this, but when you're, I guess not studying is not the right word, but when I was trying to figure out, all right, how the heck do I become an author? I don't even have a technical high school diploma. I'm not going to lie. Most people know that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm like, how do I actually write a book here? And one of the things that they tell you is to kind of try to write with a particular person in mind. So right. I don't know if you did that, but even if you didn't, what, who is the person that would most benefit from reading this type of book? That's a great question. So that was something that I thought about a lot with the cookbook. I was thinking like, where does this cookbook go? Like whose shelf is it on? For Mixed Melt Mend, it definitely crossed my mind, but it was really, I, and I can't answer the question, but, but it's interesting that like I'm realizing that I didn't even really think about it. I was just thinking like exactly what you said. Like I went through all of this. I have this perspective. I'm ready to share. Like, let me just put it out there. However, um, you know, as I, I shared briefly today and also on episode 14, my story really, yes, I struggled a lot pre-college, but my life changed when I went to college. So I think all of the work that I will do um, in the future, at least I imagine, will be for that like college student, high school student range. Um, and I think um, I shared this either the last time I was here, but um, during the day, I work at a nonprofit organization with teens. Um, and I've always worked with youth like my whole career. So I think I'm always going to be pushing for the younger generation to really get something out of my work. However, I think that my story is as unique as it is to me. I think there are a lot of themes and things that I have gone through that are pretty universal. And I hope that really anyone at any age can relate to in some way. I mean, one of the best compliments that I got I did a focus group going in before I released the book and someone said, um, I feel like I read this book and I feel like it was written about me and wow. I just wanted to cry because I feel like that's all that I really wanted. I feel like my life would have been so different if I saw a representation of myself, of my struggles in the mainstream media, in an adult figure. Um, and that is like really what I'm after. And of course, like, I don't regret a thing. And like, I wouldn't change what happened. Of course, like it, it got me here. But I do think about that a lot. Like if I had a mentor or an adult in my life, or even a celebrity who was modeling that like authentic vulnerability that I'm really after to model, um, I think things might have been different. So whether that I can use that power in modeling for youth, um, or for my peers, or even older adults, you know, it, it's interesting, I, um, during, I did Bake It Till You Make It Live at a senior center. And, you know, I, I really, re I really remember, you know, like it's never too late to invest in your mental health. And I'm sure there are a lot of older adults or just um, younger adults who can relate in a lot of ways. But I guess to get back to your question, really the youth aspect will always kind of be my target audience. Yeah. And it's with the book and you talking about that, it's kind of interesting because of course, I wrote it with a particular type of person in mind. It was technically targeted towards adolescence and even late teens, early college years type of thing. But yep. with this topic of mental health, it's exactly like you described. What I found is when you're just being authentic and you're being vulnerable, 
I'm getting messages from you know, 50-something-year-old ladies, and they're yeah. saying a similar thing that a 20-year-old male wrote back because mental health doesn't discriminate. And that's right. one of the things we're always trying to get out here um, just to help end the stigma. Like, it does not matter if you're 8, 18, or 80. This can affect people. It could be a, a, the exact same diagnosis and be affecting them in different ways. I mean, there's so many different little things with this. So I think it's cool. I mean, you know, we try to do our best. All right, I have this one person in mind. But really, at the end of the day, it sounds like, yeah, I ha you have that core message. You want to share it. And it's awesome when it connects with people. Mm -hmm. um, well, where can people get this book exactly? Yeah, sure. So, um, so primarily Amazon, like that's kind of the easiest, um, like place to go. Um, I'm also really proud and excited that it is available, um, at select Barnes and Noble stores and on barnesandnoble.com as well as IndieBound. Um, something that was really cool that happened later on in the bake it till you make it, um, book life cycle, I guess. Um, not that it's over by any means, but early on was it randomly got picked up and sold um, at Target. I have no idea how that happened. If I knew, I would be on that track. So I Google myself every day to hope that see it at Target, but not yet. Um, it did just come out like a week ago. So I guess I need to be a little more patient. But Amazon is the place to get it, I would say. That's amazing. I mean, even I don't care how many Barnes and Nobles you are in. If you get into one Barnes and Noble, that is a huge win in my book. That's that's winning as an author. Thanks. I want to finish on one final question, just kind of a fun little bonus one, because yeah. obviously, again, people know where they can get it. It's Mixed Melt Men, Owning My Story and Finding My Freedom. Get it on Amazon, select Barnes and Nobles. You guys know yes. what to do. But the fun question I want to ask at the end is what is your favorite part of this particular book? Oh, that is a really fun question. So I'm really like as exciting as, as healing and beautiful as it was to write it. And I will always feel like I'll always have so much respect and, and look at it really positively. Um, the, the process, I think I'm most excited and maybe like my favorite part is, um, what's coming next, I think. Um, so I'm super excited on my website, which is bake it till you make it.co. I have a workbook um, that people can download. Um, it's like an ebook. So you can go through the actual like memoir book and make notes. There are different discussion questions. If you want to like host a little book group, there's a crossword puzzle, there's coloring pages, extra recipes. So I'm really excited about the supplemental piece, which is funny because it's not like even the actual book. Um, and now that I'm saying that, I have a better answer to this question. But I did want to bring up the workbook anyway, so that's really cool. So yeah, that can be downloaded. And hoping that that brings just even more opportunities to discuss mental health with people in the corporate setting, in the setting, um, the school setting. Um, so that's really exciting. But I do want to say my favorite part, I think, is um, so... As I said earlier, um, my therapist is, is so important to me and um, we've been working together for almost nine years and she's just will always be so special to me. Um, and she actually wrote the epilogue, um, which was really meaningful. And a big piece of the book is, is about our relationship. So I think that might be my favorite part. That's awesome. I feel like that would definitely be mine too if I was doing something. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, and that's why I asked, because I feel like as, you know, an author, you have that special, or there's multiple special probably right. pieces of the book, but it, it does, it means something. And when you put it in, it's very heartfelt. So that's cool. Uh, Dana, last thing, where can they find you on social? Because I don't think we talked about that at all. Oh, 
Oh, great. Yes. Um, so my personal social media, um, well, Instagram account is just at Dana Altman, Dana with a Y. Um, my last name's a little bit easier to figure out how to spell than my first. <laughs> um, I post, it's open and I post a lot about my work there, but I also have a bake it till you make it Instagram as well, which is just bake it till you make it org org um but i also am available always like on facebook um if you want to send me a message there um my energy obviously comes from my work and from my life but really it's connecting with people so if anyone listening to this wants to talk about anything like dm me um i'm here so Awesome, Dana. Thank you so much. And guys, you definitely want to get connected with her if you're someone in the mental health space and you're kind of like a business owner. Dana's like the first one to hype you up. She'll comment on your stuff. She'll like it. She's like, this is awesome. Um, yeah. So it's just, yes, it's so authentic and cool energy to have. But um, guys, you've been listening to an, another episode of the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast with your host, Evan Transu, aka Mr. Health Coach Ev, and our guest tonight, Dana Altman author of the book, well, of books, but tonight we're talking about Mixed Melt Men, Owning My Story and Finding My Freedom, available on Amazon. So go check her out, please. And I will leave everything in the show notes, as always, so you guys can see her different platforms. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week.